Hey everyone, it's another episode of Glitch Free Gaming. It's episode number 169. Hooray! Hooray. 69. <laughs> a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> Even dirtier. <laughs> uh, as you can tell, it's just uh, Kieran and myself this week. Uh, Paul is catching up with uh, real life stuff and horrible jobs and things like that, so he might join us later on. But uh, how are you this week anyway, Kieran? I'm alright. Good. Cool, cool. Um, we've got a few things to talk about this week. A couple of video games, a couple of board games, and see what else we we bring up as well. Um, so I, but uh, yeah, there's been quite a, a load of new games and stuff coming out. So we've got a couple of those to talk about. Kieran, you have been going on about Gravity Rush two since we all completed Gravity Rush one. Yeah. I have. Uh, yes. And it finally came out on Friday, just there. Yes. Um, and I picked it up, and I've been playing quite a lot of it. I... Gravity Rush 2 is a sequel. It's kind of like how when Mirror's Edge Catalyst came out last year, and it was one of those things where it's a sequel that everyone that was a fan of that first game wanted, but no one was sure we would actually get, because that game didn't sell very well. Yeah. Um, and from all I accounts, it kind of I thought it... I thought it did really well. But it what, did, in, did well in terms of Vita, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it did well for a Vita game. They did that HD remaster for the PS4 that I don't know how well that did. Um, but Sony also seems to be latching on to Cat, the main character, as kind of, you know, a kind of character that they can, a mascot that they can throw into things. So yeah. he's probably going to kick around for a while just for that, if nothing else. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, Gravity Rush 2 is really good. It's very much a sequel uh, to the first game. Like It plays very similarly. It has um, all the main kind of mechanics that you you know learned in the first game of things like um, you fly by switching gravity so that you basically fall into the sky and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's weird because that game has one of the I would say one of the worst intros that I've played in a game in quite some time. Wow, really? Um, like it is. It, I think if you came into it like having not played the first Gravity Rush, one, nothing would make any sense. But two, it would be not the intro wouldn't be as bad. But the start of the game takes place in a like a mining village. And Cat doesn't have any of her any of her powers anymore, and right. the mining village itself is really just dull and drab and brown. And the tutorial area is like, you know, you do a good few story missions stuff like there. Like you're there for like a good couple hours or so, and it's teaching you these mechanics. You slowly get your powers back and you learn everything and stuff, and then eventually you get into the kind of big open world city that you'd expect from the first game. And it's all bright and colourful, and you have all your powers, and it's really great. But those first couple of hours where it's slowly breaking everything out, it kind of feels like um, like a response in a lot of ways for people that didn't like the controls from the first game. Right. And being like, look, we're going to handhold you and teach you every little mechanic in this game so you fucking learn how to play it and stop complaining. Um, so do, it, you, do you think they've done that because of the people that were playing the, the PS4 port, or do you think it was more the Vita stuff? I would say 
both to some degree, but the PS4 port's definitely, you know, the newer one, so it's definitely part of it, I'd assume. Yeah. Um, but I said it does play really well, like, the controls are great. Um, they've upgraded a lot of, kind of, cat's ability, so things like, um, in the previous game, you could press circle to do use a stasis field that would kind of just lift a bunch of things nearby and then you could just toss them at enemies. Uh-huh. And it was kind of not super useful in the first game. Like, it was really weak, didn't do a lot of damage, it was hard to aim at. Um, and this one, they have upgraded it a lot, so for starters, you can pick up way more things with it. Um, like, the idea is just that Cat has, you know, been getting used to her powers since the first game, so she's way stronger now. Um, so she can pick up a lot of different things with it. She can throw them way further and more accurately, and they do a lot more damage. So there's been plenty of, like, fights where... Another thing is you, you fight a lot more human enemies towards the start of this game, um, not just, like, the monsters from the previous one. Right. And sometimes you'll find, like, a crowd of, you know, soldiers shooting at you, and the best thing to do is just to walk into that crowd and mash circle. Like, and Cat will just stand there, and everyone will just go flying around her, and it's kind of this really cool, like, kind of power fantasy kind of thing of, like after an enemy has taken some damage you can just ragdoll them and pick them up and throw them into things Right. so you basically pick up like one or two things walk into a crowd, do enough damage to hurt one or two of them, pick them up throw them into more people and just keep mashing it and everyone just goes flying everywhere um, and it's really cool and then they bring in their air support and you pick up their bodies and throw them at the air support and knock them down um, but then there's all the kind of main uh kind of combat stuff from before as well so you've got kind of regular melee attacks you've got uh, the slide ability that you can then chain into more melee attacks and then you've got things like the the gravity kick so you start floating in the air and then use a kick and you'll kind of smash your way towards them through there um and it all just plays really well and it's all really fast really fluid uh i definitely don't have like any complaints about the way it plays at all it's really good Right. Um, and they've done this cool thing where in the first game they had this, uh, and they have it here as well. They have a, a you have a, a meter that kind of constrains how much or how long you can use your gravity abilities for. So you can only fly through the air for a certain amount of time before this runs out and then you just fall. Um, but really, you only fall for a couple of seconds, and it regenerates, and you can start again. So you kind of just chain it that way. Um, right. Yeah. But in this one, it's still it's even less of an issue than the first one because you start off with a meter that is super long, and I was confused by this to start with because I was like, "Oh, that's weird." So they just kind of removed that mechanic then. But it's actually just because the open world is massive, so you will be using like all of that energy to try and get between the different parts of the city, which is unexpected. Right. Um, and the city is really cool so like it's this kind of big open world thing it starts you off in an area that's kind of reminiscent of the city from the first game it's this kind of uh, market area it's split up into a bunch of small islands um, you know there's a bunch of like it's got that weird kind of juxtaposition that Gravity Rush had before where you know, there's a bunch of like office buildings and stuff like that and then a bunch of you know these weird little markets and stuff like that and all and it's all just floating across nothingness Um and it starts it starts you there and it's this bright colourful thing it's really cool reminds you of the first game and after a couple of missions it's like oh yeah um, someone's stolen something you have to go find them and the marker that takes you where it is 
basically just points down and it says oh it's like 2,000 miles this way <laughs> and it's like what and this like you fall and you fall and you fall and you go through a bunch of clouds and stuff like that and you realise there's another massive section of city underneath all of this oh right okay and the same if you go up if you go up there's another massive section of city <laughs> that is kind of hovering above all that stuff and above all that is this giant military fortress that's kind of overlooking everything else um, and the story plays off of that stuff really well uh, I'm not super far in it just now <laughs> we do a lot of side missions and stuff mainly but a lot of the story stuff revolves around this kind of class warfare where all of the bottom all the people that live in the lower part of the city are the you know the poor people and there a lot of them have resorted to you know becoming rebels and becoming you know protesters and things like that and you know causing trouble for the government as much as they can basically and everyone that's in the kind of middle-ish area is the kind of middle class whatever they don't really care both ways too much they just you know they're getting on with it yeah and then up above is the upper class kind of they're all living in their giant playboy mansions they're all uh they have you know infinite resources of money all the people in the lower city are you know starving and running out of fuel and things like that and everyone in the upper city is burning fuel every night just for just to have like cool parties with fireworks and stuff um and then up above that is like the council and the military that kind of control all of this block of things um and the story is very heavily kind of focused on this kind of stuff and you'll do missions for both people in the poorer parts of the city and people in the richer parts of the city and it you know doesn't it kind of leans very obviously in the way you would expect it to of well of course all the rich people are scumbags because they're rich people so you don't give a shit about anyone else because they're rich people um you know like real life of course you know (laughs) pulls from the headlines and uh it's just really good i'm really enjoying it so far uh cat's still an awesome character it has this really awesome camera mode um that's not the same as like photo modes in most games um, it's actually cat has a camera so you pull out and take photos of things and then you can set it up on a tripod and sit and pose in front of it All right, okay. and it takes these weird kind of dumb like 4x3 kind of you know squarish like almost kind of polaroidy photos that are you can put instagram filters on and things it's really dumb uh, but it's really good it sounds like it's got a little bit more of a story than the last one because the last one was it was more you know a lot of the interactions was cat helping people and yeah definitely there's still a lot of that but yeah there's a lot more story in this one so far or at least a lot more connected story yes because the first game definitely had that where it was like oh here's you know it it was almost like comic book structured it was like this is what cat is doing for this issue here's what she's doing in issue two it's not really related to the first one at all even though we left some, you know, threads lying open and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, again, I'm not super far on it, so I don't know how much that will continue, but it definitely seems like it's all chaining into each other and actually making a kind of coherent story this time. Right. Um, which is good, because it desperately needed that after the first game. Um, 
But yeah, I'm really liking it so far. Uh, I've not played as much of it as I want to, just because other games took over my time. But yes. it's um, it's it seems awesome. It seems like a a fantastic sequel. Um, cool. Unlike I... uh, unlike Mirror's Edge Catalyst was. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, I did notice in kind of the cover artwork they've got, there seems to be like a new female character. And um, yeah, have you come across her yet? Is... Um, there's. Do you mean the other gravity shifter? Because that's that's Raven. She was in the first game. Oh right. Um, oh, oh, it's just she's wearing nice clothes now. That's all. It is. <laughs> yeah, that's. Yeah. You get a yeah, lot of the... costumes for cat. You dress her up in lots of different ways. It's really yeah, cool. yeah, you you got that in the first one as well. Um, uh, if you have a save file from the the remaster, oh yeah, uh, it pulls in all those costumes from the first game. Oh wow! It's all the DLC costumes. So the the soldier one, the, the fucking awful uh, cat suit. Yes, that kind of I, stuff. I, yeah, I liked the cat suit. It I, was like I a... liked it because it was really silly. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, it brings all those in, and you can switch to them at any point, um, which is pretty awesome. All right. Uh, and then there's enough space that it seems like you'll unlock more as you go. Like I've not unlocked any other costumes yet, but right. presumably you do as you go. Uh, Bea yeah, Raven plays a bigger part in this game than she did in the first one, because the first one she was just kind of ominous villain type that shows up for you know half an hour of the game and then vanishes. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then he shows up again at the end. And then this one is right from the offset. Cat's like, I remember, like she's separated from Raven to start with, but right from the start she's like, yeah. So I was talking about Raven, and then we all got separated, and I ended up in this mining camp. I wonder where Raven is. And then <laughs> he just keeps coming up every now and again until you actually find Raven. All um, right, okay. Which is pretty good. Uh, but yeah, there's more like there's missions, there's missions stuff like that in that game where you'll be teaming up with her so you'll like beat up enemies and she'll show up as well or there's right. like a really good stealth section where every time you attack an enemy she will attack whatever enemy is next to them so you have this kind of cool thing where you're sneaking around and you'll meet two guards that are kind of talking to each other and you'll just sneak up kick one of them and she'll drop down kick the other one at the same time knock them both out um which is really awesome uh, there's a surprising amount of stealth stuff in this game actually it's weird it's not really it works really well though because you're doing things like you know to avoid enemies you're switching gravity and walking uh-huh. on the underside of bridges and things like that because you know you can yeah it was just wasn't really a kind of application of that mechanic that I kind of initially expected <laughs> um, but yeah Gravity Rush 2 I'm enjoying it a lot I'm gonna play more of it hopefully I don't know there's a lot of games coming out who knows yes um, but you're not playing. You've not been playing new stuff, Mike. You've been playing stuff that you've been looking to play for a while. Yes. Like Project Cross Zone Two. <laughs> so I picked up Project Cross Zone when it came out last year, uh, or Project Cross Zone Two rather, and um, I um, never really got much of a chance with it because I got ill, so I played a little bit and stuff. And then just as we finished uh, Game of the Year, or as we were recording Game of the Year this year, I started playing it again, and I am now seven odd hours in. How are you playing that? Yeah, it's it's good. So I'm on Chapter 10. It is, it's more of the same. I think I said it before yeah. when I spoke about it on the podcast. Um, it's not I, a bad thing if you enjoy it. 
No, no. Um, so the 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 story in this one is the gold chains and the the baddies have come back. Mm-hmm. Um, and you start off with one of the sets of characters, and then all of the old, all of the characters that you played in the first one start meeting up again. The on uh, there's some new characters that join them. So um, Phoenix Wright and Maya show up. Um, and they get rescued by uh, Chris and Jill, um, and yeah, it's really bizarre all the different characters good. and the interactions, and they all yeah. come together. Um, and yeah, you've got this thing. So um, Chris and Jill are talking to Phoenix Wright and Maya, and they're telling them it's going to be okay, and don't worry, they'll protect them. And then all of a sudden, um, Chun Li and uh, Zayu mm-hmm. show up because they teamed up in the first one. So you had, you know, Capcom and yeah. and Tekken together. They show up again, and it's like, oh, it's Chris and Jill. Oh no, it's all happening again, isn't it? Oh no. So <laughs> every I was say, time, how often do how often do characters introduce themselves? Um, how often does Chun Li explain who she is and where she <laughs> works and? <laughs> <laughs> not not as much as the first one because oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> who are you? I am Chun Li, and she would go through that, and you go, oh, for fuck's sake, I your finger for, would be I work naked. For yeah, you get it. You work for Inter- <laughs> Jesus Christ. Come on. Um, so that's not as bad. Um, I think uh, one of my my favorite additions that to the series this time that have joined the Avenger is uh, the two guys from the Yakuza series. Hmm. Um, so you've got the, the guy in the white suit and then the guy who wears like the the, the unbuttoned... Uh, does he have an eye patch? Yes, he's got yeah. the eye, pad, eye patch and the weird unbuttoned shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you and... Mijami, I think it is? I don't know how to pronounce them. I'm not... Yeah, yeah. Um, I just call them the the Yakuza guys, um, but their their interactions are quite funny. Um, the voice, all of all of the voice acting, like the original, is in Japanese as well. Um, but it is um, just when it's been translated, the script is really really funny. A lot of humor in it and things. Um, I was playing this afternoon and uh, I came across um, Juro. Which is the yeah. the kind of silver character from Virtua Fighter series? Yeah. Um, the last boss. Yes, yeah. So he, um, she shows up, and one of the characters, uh, which is Natsu from the Soul Calibur series, the, the female ninja. Mm-hmm. She she says, "Oh, oh, that's nice. A, a shiny naked woman." <laughs> uh, so some of the other characters. Um, one of the characters, I think the Yakuza guys say, you know, oh, do you know who this is? And one of the other characters, and I can't remember which one it is, says, oh yeah, we fought her, we faced her before, um, the last time. It looks like she still hasn't found John Connor. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's just these little references, the little smart mouth, smart aleck references. Go. Yeah, um, so it, it is quite good. It's still... Like I said, it, it's the same thing, um, but it's good. I, you can play it and you get the fun from the uh, the story's the same, near enough as well. You know they're all chasing about, um, trying to find out what's going on, and it gets 
the information gets fed to them by the baddies in drips again um but it is it's the interactions it's doing the the fights with the battle uh, with the guys again um teaming up all the different characters with each other to see those interactions um it is it's just one of the you know one of those nice games you go oh that's it's inoffensive it's nice to spend you know hours and hours just playing it mm-hmm. um is the best way i can put it it's not I was going to say it's not game of the year, um, but it definitely, you know, it always, it just ticks a box for me. I really, yeah. really loved the first one. I think we gave it our RPG of the year because um, that year there wasn't too much out in in that way <laughs> yeah, that we played. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's fantastic. You you should pick it up. It's just one of those games. I need to play know. more of the first one. I've still barely oh, scratched right. the surface of it. Um, my CBS yeah. is kind of gone for now, though, because uh, my girlfriend yeah. just picked up uh, Pokemon Moon, so yes. I won't be getting that back for a while. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it's strange because uh, I, I seen that that you know um, she'd picked that up, and I thought that's weird because I'd stopped playing Pokemon so that I could play Project Crosszone. <laughs> Maybe we should try and get her into Project Crosszone. I don't think she'd recognise like any of the characters though. No, no. She'd recognise the got... Street Fighter ones. I think that's the yeah. only of those games she's played. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, one, uh, one of the funniest or one of the interactions I seen um, today when I was playing as well was um, Leon from the Resident Evil series catches up with Chris and Jill, but they've got Chris and Jill from. Uh, Resident Evil Revelations, mm-hmm. so the the one that was on the boat. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's Revelations. Yep, and they've got Leon. Leon is from Resident Evil Six, mm-hmm. so they've got them in two different timelines. They, you know, they're styled after two different timelines, um, and they use that in the story. So it's like you know, we know this is Resident Evil Six, uh, Leon, and it's you know sort of in between uh, Red, uh, Resident Evil Jill and Chris and they're talking to each other it's like uh, you know they're talking about oh they're just being on the ship and and we we were on the ship when we got transported and Leon's going hang on that happened four or five years ago and there's this yeah. interaction between them and stuff and he doesn't believe them and it's a prank and yeah just really clever so that yeah that's what I've been busy with that sounds cool. I, I do like the like as much as I make fun of uh Chun Li in particular always uh confirming what who she is every single time. Um like I, I did really enjoy the, the dialogue and stuff in that first game. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, so definitely you should check it out. But speaking of the guys from Yakuza being in that um, the guys from Yakuza are have their own new game now they do and you get to play both of them which is pretty awesome ah cool um, yeah so Yakuza 0 came out for the PS4 yesterday technically but yes most websites kind of sent their copies out on Friday so, yes so I played it all weekend I in a week where Gravity Rush 2 came out, the fact that Yakuza 0 is my like the game I ended up playing the most of um 
is just insane to me. Um, but Yakuza is like a long-running open-world kind of beat 'em up uh, Japanese kind of series that I have always wanted to get into because I've always really enjoyed the idea of them. I've always really enjoyed like watching gameplay of them and stuff. And I played the first like quarter or so, maybe not even that. Like I played a chunk of uh, Yakuza Three. I really enjoyed it and then kind of mainly just fell off it because it was on PS3 and I already had a PS4 at that point and was like I started playing Yakuza 3 like a year ago it wasn't like when it came out um, but Yakuza 0 is like the first one on PS4 and is a prequel to all of the other games and feels like a very solid like jumping in point for people Um like I have found it super easy to just jump into this and just pick it up and you don't have to know anything about the story of the rest of the games because this is set before them so I'm sure there's references for people that are kind of super into that stuff but you know if you're not and don't know it it's just you know is this cool story about uh, uh, Kiryu who is uh, at the start of the game uh, an enforcer for uh, one of the, the families in the Yakuza and at the start of the game is collecting debts on behalf of you know one of the deck, you know the kind of the pl- people that are hiring the Yakuza to do their work for them to be their thugs basically um, so the very start of the game like he's beating up this guy gets money off him leaves and you play through the intro of the game it's just him kind of you know and you know walking around open world not doing a whole lot and then it comes out that that guy that you beat up at the start of the game got shot and left for dead in the place that you beat him up in so everyone blames you for it right and the rest of the game is kind of Kiryu trying to you know clear his name because the Yakuza don't really take kindly to you know, someone who was meant to just beat someone up for some money, murdering someone and leaving them in the street. Like, it's kind of a bad look for everyone involved. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then, like, despite having this weird, like, kind of serious story, it is one of the most goofy and bizarre games I've ever played. Um, so it's open world, you're walking around this city, and uh, it's not like a massive city by any means, but it's very densely populated. There's a lot of buildings you can go into and there'll be like restaurants you can buy food in and there's lots of shops and stuff like that. There's entertainment areas so you can go into... um, uh, The game is published by Sega. It's developed by Sega as well. So they have a lot of... uh, I forget what Sega's arcades are called in Japan. I want to say Um, Funland, but that's Namco here. It might also be, actually. Yeah. Uh, uh, Sega World, maybe? Yeah, maybe, yeah. Uh, but yeah, whatever. There's, there's like, they have a bunch of Sega arcades that you can go into and you can play. Uh, so this game is a prequel to the other, so it's set in the 80s. So it has not quite... Well, closer to period-appropriate games. So you, you're sitting playing things like Outrun and things like that, uh-huh. which are probably actually still a bit later than the set in the first game. Um, no, actually, no. Um, no, it was it, Outrun 80s? Outrun, yes. Outrun was the 80s, yeah. Huh. It looked really good for a game that came out in the 80s. That's the only reason. Oh man, you're right, it's 86. Yeah. No. That's one of those things that, I guess just because I wasn't, well, alive, 
during that time <laughs> period. But I always kind of forget how ahead graphically arcade hardware was to console oh, hardware God, back yeah. then. Because nowadays yeah. they just look the same. Like it doesn't matter. It's, yes. In fact, yeah. a lot of arcade machines last generation of consoles were just straight up using PS3 innards. Um, so yeah, it's that thing is confused to me because it, like when I think eighty six, I think all right, so that's like the NES. That's when that's when the NES was out. Yeah, yeah. And then it's like Outrun looks way better than Ethnon NES. That can't possibly be right. Um, but yeah, so you can play Outrun, play Space Harrier. There's probably some other ones I've not seen yet, but there's you know a handful of arcade games. Yeah. Uh, in the previous games, you could play like Virtua Fighter and things like that because they were set modern day. So right, okay. I think the last one had like Virtua Fighter 4 in it, and then uh, wow. the next one that's coming out, uh, Yakuza 6, has uh, the full version of uh, Virtua Fighter 5 Final Showdown in it. Bloody which hell. I will probably buy that game just for that. It's even got, I think it's even got like online multiplayer for Virtua Fighter 5 in it, oh, which sake. is insane. Um, like I will buy that game just to play Virtua Fighter 5 again because I fucking love Virtua Fighter 5 um, but yeah so they've got this weird like super detailed world with lots of little mini games and stuff like that to do uh-huh. and uh, you're walking around doing all this kind of stuff and there's also tons of side missions in the game as well that are bizarre they're just like weird things some of them are relatively straightforward normal things it'll be like oh that guy you know stole this thing, go beat him up or something. But, uh, for example, there's a side mission I found relatively early on where uh, you find there's like a big queue of people waiting outside a shop. And you go up and talk to people in the queue and they're like, oh yeah, we're waiting for the release of this new game. Uh, you won't be able to get one though because there's only five copies and they already gave out like pre-order tickets to all of us in queue. Uh-huh. And you come back later, and one of the kids in the queue is standing, or one of the kids that was in the queue is standing outside the shop crying. You go talk to him, and he's like, oh no, someone stole my copy of the game, it's terrible. And you run off, find the guy that stole it, beat the shit out of him, take it back. Or you go to take it back, and he's like, no, I don't have it anymore. Someone else stole it from me. And you're like, okay, that's weird. That's not really a thing that happens, but okay. And like the kid, the person that steals it off the kid is just like a teenager. It's just like a delinquent teenager person. You beat uh-huh. him up, and you go off, and he got mugged by like an actual kind of criminal, like an adult man who was like, "I'm gonna beat you out of this guy and take it." So you beat him up, and you're like, "Where's the copy of the game?" He's like, "No, no, I don't have it. I got beat up, and someone stole it from me." <laughs> and you're like, "What the fuck is going on here?" And then you chase the guy that beat him up and it's like a Yakuza grunt so like it's going up the food chain each time and it's uh-huh. this like mafia guy that's like oh yeah I stole it and you beat him up and take it off him and he's like I stole it though because my kid really wanted it and the kid from the shop shows up and he's like oh hi dad and you're like oh god damn it <laughs> of course <laughs> <laughs> just a circle <laughs> <laughs> it's really good um, oh, and there's tons and... of side missions that are just as goofy and weird like that. I was I was waiting on you to. I thought the punchline to that was going to be that it was a certain game or something that. No, no, it's it's. Uh, or at least I don't think it is. It's like Aracure Three or something like that. I don't think it's a. Right. I don't think it's a real game. Uh, I think right. it was a reference. It may be a reference to something else in the series or something. That I don't know. Right. But, yeah. Um. But yeah, it's 
it's weird. Like some of the best parts of that game are these weird little kind of side stories with these memorable characters, and they're all in the world. And you, you, there's nothing on the map telling you where they are. You can just walk around and find them. Yeah, um, and they're all optional, but you can do them whatever. And yeah. some of the stuff that I'd, uh, I I haven't played it, but I just seen it on the trailer, and it makes me want to play it. Is this karaoke? Yeah, like there's tons of little mini games stuff like that where there's karaoke, there's dancing. Yeah. There's um, oh god, what else is there? There's bowling, there's pool. Uh, I think there's darts in there as well. Oh god. Um, like I guess it it probably makes sense to explain that the Axis series kind of started like its life as Shenmue. Like it's essentially right. where that series ended up. Um, it's like Shenmue, but they made it good, basically. Right. Um, they have like way night cooler mini games. There's no weird time restrictions stuff like that. Um, there's a lot of stuff wandering around talking to people, but it's a lot faster paced. Um, there's a lot of combat in it because at its heart, it is still very much like a kind of 3D brawler as a beat 'em up kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of the combat is really stylish, really fast paced, and just really fun. Um, I think they've added to this game because, their explanation just being because it's set in the eighties and Japan was going through like a kind of you know a economic boom during the eighties, more so than like even other countries during that time. Um, everyone, in particular, Yakuza guys, as you beat them up, just drop money, just like money just goes flying out of them every time you hit them because they're just carrying so much money because everyone has tons of money <laughs> in this time period um, and it's really weird because it's this thing that's all so goofy colourful and weird and then the main story is it revolves around the Yakuza trying to get hold of a plot of land like it's this weird like real estate you know mafia movie plot line that's kind of super serious it's got this goofy moment still but it's like really serious and then it just has this really goofy exterior built around it um it's just really fun and all of the side missions and stuff are things that it's kind of brought back for me like the kind of um playground thing where you know you would you know in school talk to people about games and you know explain something or you say something you found and they didn't know like for me it was like a, uh, like the GTA games it was like San Andreas and stuff like that where you know in school people would be like oh yeah no we've totally found you know this thing out in the middle of nowhere in GTA and you're like that's not real that can't be true that's silly um, but then this has that for the side missions to some degree because the people I've been talking to like we'll talk about side missions and be like oh have you played the side mission with the guy that has a 80s cell phone that requires like 8 hours to charge and I was like no I didn't know that was in the game but I believe you that sounds like a thing that would be in there I guess uh-huh. um, there's a side mission in there where you join a cult there's a oh god I think other weird things like it's not particularly spoilery just because there are so many of these that you might never see any of these ones anyway uh-huh. but it's that kind of thing where again it's like you'll talk to people and be like uh, this exact conversation happened to me at work day where a friend went oh yeah if you'd done the mission with um, 
the boyfriend and the girlfriend. And I was like, no, I've not, I've not even seen that at all. And he's like, oh yeah, it's really good. You should try to find that one. It's like in this location on the map. Kind of wander around there and you'll find it. I was like, okay. Right. Have you seen the mission where um, about the dad that's trying to evade the Yakuza and gets plastic surgery to replace his face? And he's like, and the person I was talking to is like, no, is, is that a real thing? And I was like, yeah, definitely. That is, this is in this point of the map. It's across from where the cult mission is. Like, it's, uh, it's just this weird thing of all these bizarre side quests that you end up chatting to people about. It's really good. Um, and also looks really nice. Like, it was originally a PS3 game. It came out for PS3 a couple of years ago. Uh, but they've up-resed it and kind of upped the frame rate and stuff like that and it just looks super crisp and just runs really well um, to the point where it's really fun just to wander around the city exploring things and beating people up uh, so yeah I ended up playing a stupid amount of that over the weekend uh, I'm five chapters in now which each chapter is pretty lengthy uh, you switch characters for a bit which is actually why I kind of knew who the eye patch guy was because right. you play as him for a couple of chapters as well, and his story seems just completely 100% disconnected from the main character. I assume they meet up at some point, because I know that they are like, connected in the future games, but, yeah, and this, and this one, that's just, it just takes you to like a different part of the city entirely that you wander around with as him doing completely different things. Um, yeah, Yuxa Zero, I definitely recommend it. Um, I know you've been kind of eyeing it up for a little bit. I have, yeah. So I'm, I'm tempted because uh, there's just there's so many games coming out. That's the problem. Yeah, I agree. I wasn't originally going to buy it. Um, and then someone sent me a video that shows what happens when you uh, manage to score a turkey when playing bowling. Right. Which is that you win a turkey, <laughs> but they mess it up. So you go up to claim your turkey, and the woman at things like, "Here you go, here's your turkey." And she brings out just a live chicken and just puts it on there, and he's like, "Uh, you said turkey, I assumed you meant like you know, like cooked or you know for cooking." And she's like, "Oh no, I'm sorry. This you know, we there was a mistake, and this is all we've got." And he's like, "This isn't even a turkey. This is a chicken." And she's like. I'm sorry, I could kill it and cook it for you if you want. And he's like, no, no, it's, I'll just take it. And it joins your organization as a manager and it has three stars <laughs> in economic skills. And it's like, I need to buy this game. Oh, man. Also, he calls it Nugget, which is really good. Oh, chicken Nugget. <laughs> um, I've not actually even reached that point in the game yet, but right, it's, that was so funny. I was like, I need to actually play this. Um, and I've been wanting to get into the series for a while so I'm going to get this and then they're bringing a lot of Yakuza games here now So yes yeah because Yakuza 6 is definitely coming out here now yeah Yakuza 6 is coming out later this year I think and uh, Yakuza Kiwami which is a remake of the first game is also coming out this year oh wow uh, so there's going to be a lot of Yakuza games I think Kiwami is kind of the one I'm most looking forward to because again I don't really know any of the story of these games so um, and for what I understand, like looking it up, it's not just like a because Yakuza One was a PS2 game uh, from a long time ago, and as a result, the franchise has kind of moved on quite a lot since then. 
but they have like just completely remade that game apparently like it apparently is made in the same engine as Yakuza 0 so it plays like Yakuza 0 it's not going to play like a PS2 game that has been up-resed um, so it plays and looks like Yakuza 0 but has all of the content from that first game in it right so, yeah that seems pretty awesome to me um, but yeah I'm really enjoying this it's, it has made me a, a fan of the series I would say yeah. Sure. Unless it gets really terrible after like the halfway point or something. <laughs> but so far it seems great. I don't know. You can play Outrun at. Outrun's really good. Of course, yeah. Um, yeah. I'll probably be talking about that for a while to come because it seems pretty big as well. Uh, so every week I'll just probably chime in with here's the side mission I played this week. <laughs> it's really <laughs> stupid. Uh Fair enough. Yeah. Um, you've been playing Death Trap: World of Van Helsing. Yeah. So this is is a bit of a. It's a bit of a strange one. It was one of the Xbox games with gold. Yeah. Is it a tower defense game? Yes, it's a tower defense. So I don't know whether it's um, Death Trap: World of Van Helsing or World of Van Helsing: Death Trap. Depends on. what mood they were in <laughs> from, from the looks of things so it yeah it is a tower defense game um and the the story is that you are a character there's been um the world as we know it but there's a realm a little bit like um is this realm in between ours and the nether world and it keeps everything at bay but there's more people uh there's more beasties coming into this realm and they're trying to destroy it and uh, there was guardians in there and they had traps um, and the, the traps would be sprung and the traps would be sprung and they, they would keep the beasties out essentially mm-hmm. but there's no one else now and you are going in to sort it all out yeah um, the game it's quite Strange because you 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 have this tower defense, um, you know you, you build your traps or your towers and the beasties come and you kill them, um, but you yourself can actually go and fight them. That's pretty cool. um, yeah, so you can. Um, so once you've got your your traps and everything built up, then um, you can run around and you know help your traps as it were so there's various classes the the class that I picked was uh, a mage this is a mage I'm going to pick it it's always going to happen and it's a female character um, she's already built you know she's got all the, the attributes and everything there and um, that you pick that class she plays this this woman and uh, she tells the story and everything and off you go uh, the traps there are various traps Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a bit like um, rock paper scissors so you'll have the mechanical trap the mechanical trap is it's essentially a machine gun turret yeah uh, it's you know standard uh, more traditional tower defense turret you've got that and it will be strong against one sort of enemy but weak against another mm-hmm. um, so you would put that down and then you would put um, its opposite which is a uh, it's a, a, a mechanical tower like as well, but what this one does is it uh, it shoots um, magic. 
Okay. Uh, so it is strong against the one where the machine gun is weak yeah. and weak against the one where the machine gun is strong. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's various traps that you can do as well. So there's a trap that shoots ice bolts um, or it just uh, you know freezes the enemies as they come across it, slows them down and does a little bit of damage. There is a fire one. Um, does the exact same thing but it does it to a different class of enemy so you have this whole this trap is strong against this enemy enemy, and this one's strong against the other one so you're building, you're trying to build like the perfect conveyor belt that's by the time your enemy, doesn't matter who he is has walked, you know from square one to square five he's at least got one one thing that's done damage to him yeah um, and then you're right behind him firing your ice bolts or your lightning or uh, whatever it is. Fuck him up a bit more. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I didn't... I put it in and I, th- I seen it and I thought, oh, okay, this is going to be uh, okay. It's not going to be that good. I ended up spending, I think, two or three hours on it. Um, before cool. I, I, Yeah, before I'd realized what I'd done and just really enjoying it as well uh so it's got this in the whole thing is set on you know like i said a world this um kind of layer between our world and the, the bad world and there's various places that you can go to the way that the levels are set up is they're it's like game squares you know kind of like in board games you've got hexes everywhere on a 4x game this uh, you've got these these squares these tiles and um that's where you would set the traps um and at the game as when you look at the map of the game there's a, a map in the corner of your screen and it will tell you the the entrance points Mm-hmm. for the so they're like demon gates and these demon gates opens and the beasties yeah. come out uh but you you know as you look at it you go right i'm not too sure which one of the gates will open um and what the in between each round there is a red line and it it runs on a, on all the squares where the the path of the the enemies so you can see what gate it's coming they're going to come from and what path they're going to follow so you can set up your traps accordingly um, and then on the second time uh, on the second wave there may be two gates open mm-hmm. on the third wave what it may be still two gates but the the enemies now split and they take um, the path splits yeah I take it uh, the, the levels are more kind of pre kind of structured mazes they're not like um... oh shit what was that one we played on was it on PSP Yes, I, Paul played a lot of um, I, where it was just it didn't have those kind of pre-designed mazes. It was just like here's a grid, place your turrets to make the maze. Yeah. Oh God, what was it called? Uh, I mean, I really like that game. I, I loved that game. <laughs> it was brilliant. Um, um, but yeah, you, that game. Yes, that one. Yeah, I think you can still get it on the Vita as well. Um, yeah, I believe so. Uh, yeah, but yeah, that this is the the, the maze the is already. Field Runners, that was it. That was fantastic. I loved that. That game was great. Um, but yeah, so this the the maze is already built, yeah. um, and it just various point uh, for each wave, a different part of it will activate, mm-hmm. and it will just add so that on your last level, 
all the gates are open, all the enemies are going on all available paths, but by that time you've got all your traps set up. Yeah. Uh, your traps can't be destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the the whole game takes an RPG kind of feel to it as well because you can level up yourself, you can buy new equipment, you can buy uh, better armor, and you can upgrade your traps. So you can spend upgrade points on your traps so it may take um, the recharge on a trap is quicker. Or yeah. there's um, traps that unleash werewolves. Mm-hmm. And uh, with the werewolves, they you might, if you upgrade the trap enough, it may unleash two werewolves. Or, um, you know, it won't unleash um, two. You still get the one, but he's a little bit tougher than mm-hmm. than he was before. Um, and there are hundreds of traps that can be bought. That's cool. So there is a hell of a lot of customization, and uh, it's one of those games that you could probably play for ages and ages. Yeah. It sounds uh, like it's not, like, the most unique thing in the world. It kind of just sounds like it is a, a tower defense game. Um, yeah, it's a tower defense game, and they've put it into this kind of gothic-y, horror-y fantasy setting. Yeah. Um, Which is, yeah, I'm also up for another good tower defense game. Yeah, um, yeah, it kind of reminded me a little bit of um, what was the big one? I didn't like it, but it did. Uh, defense Grid. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like a better ver to me anyway, a better version of Defense Grid. Yeah, I know people like uh, Defense Grid. I don't think I played very little Defense Grid. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan. Um, um, yeah, it, I, I don't know. Field Runners was the one that kind of stuck with me for a while. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but this is this is really good. And then when you uh, it looks good, it's well designed. It's got loads of depth. Mm-hmm. And then when you add on top of it, it was a games with gold. Yeah. So I probably have a copy. Uh, yeah. If I you claimed actually, I don't know when I turned my Xbox One on last. Uh, I think it's still available. Um, I might go claim that after this. I don't yeah. play my Xbox One a lot. Been playing Yakuza. Yeah, I I tend to do that. Um, yes, it's still available as we're recording this. So this month's games are um, Killer Instinct Season Two, mm-hmm. uh, World of Van Helsing Death Trap, and uh, for the Xbox 360 Rayman Origins. I should at the very least claim Killer Instinct, I think. Yeah. Yeah, uh, they've announced, not to skip into the news too much, but they skipped, uh, they skipped, they announced uh, next month's games as well. Oh, right, okay. Um, And those should be starting to hit by the time this podcast is out, actually, so the recommendations for these are probably maybe a bit late. Yeah, yeah. Um, But there is a pretty good lineup. I'm trying to find it. I'll find it for the news, but there's, there's, some good games coming up for it. Cool. Uh, yeah, so not much more to say about it. I'll probably dip in and out of it uh, when I'm not doing Project Cross on 2 and stuff like that. But um, so, yeah, that's about it for that. Um, you have been playing. Is this a new game? Is this a new version of Picross? Or... This is a. Well, it's relatively new. It came out last year. Right. Uh, actually, I think it only came out here this year. It came out in America last year. 
um, which is Picross 3D Round 2. Um, have you played much Picross before? Uh, no, I played it when it first came out, and uh, I can't remember when it first came out now, uh, or what it first came out for. I think it was, was it the DS? It originally first came out? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, but... the first 3D one was in DS. It was older ones, like Mario Picross came out, oh, the original yes. Game Boy and stuff yeah. like that. That's right, yeah. Um, I wasn't a big fan. I couldn't get my head around it when I when I played it. That's fair enough. So I picked up uh, Picross 3D primarily because I picked up... There's a free Picross game on the 3DS called Pokemon Picross that is uh, a weird free-to-play thing that you eventually kind of have to start spending money in to be able to progress. Um, but I kind of started playing that looking for a portable puzzle game to play um, and then switched over by picking up the big 3D one. But the main idea behind Picross is, for Picross 3D at least, is you have two colours. You have red and you have blue. And then you have this big block of cubes. And each row of them, or not each row, but most of the rows on them will have a number on the end. So it'll be, you know, like a red 5, or a red blue, or sorry, blue uh, 5, or, you know, a red three and also a blue two and that kind of tells you what everything in that row can contain Uh so if the row is only five blocks long you know okay that first block that first row is entirely red that second row is entirely blue that last row is partly red and partly blue but i don't know which ones like where they go but you do know there's only five and three of them are red so you know that middle one has to be red because that's just how the numbers work. No matter where you fit three red in there, it's always going to overlap that middle cube. So you can colour in that middle cube to start with. And from there, you kind of start... Like, all of the rows have all these kind of things and they all kind of overlap in ways. And you can look at things and be like, well, this row here says that, you know, everything here is going to be... There's, there's going to be three red in this entire row. But then if I look at the vertical rows, or the columns, I guess... um it says there's going to be one blue square here which means that everything in that column is always going to be blue there's no reds in that column because it never excludes stuff from that column so then you can go okay well this block that overlaps in these two rows is definitely not going to exist because it can't be both red and blue so you can kind of piece by piece start removing cubes from it and colouring in other cubes that you know 100% definitely are that and you whittle it down until it turns into some kind of shape and the shapes are kind of not super important because they they end up just these weird blocky things and it's like oh this is a microphone kind of made out of cubes it kind of looks like a microphone maybe um, but I've just been I got super addicted to it it's it eases you in in such a, a way where it's like, it starts with these really basic puzzles that are just like oh, these top four rows have zero in them so you just delete them. Or, you know, there's like one red cube and that's kind of it. Figure out where it is. Um, and it just starts ramping up with difficulty as you go. If I, I've been playing it all in hard mode just because uh, the easier modes add more clues to it basically, so you'll have more of the 
the rows will kind of have numbers on them to explain what's in them. Uh, whereas in hard mode, a lot of them just don't have anything on them, so you just have basically the bare minimum of what you need to be able to solve the puzzle. Um, but yeah, it's just this, it's basically just like cross-referencing things at the puzzle game. Right. Um, and I really like it. Uh, I now I've talked on here before about how I'm you know quite a big fan of good puzzle games anyway. Um, but yeah, Picross 3D has definitely been the one that's been kind of scratching that itch for me recently. Uh, I was slightly worried about it before because I didn't really know what Picross was to start with, so I'd always kind of avoided it because I thought it was like Sudoku or something like that. Right. Uh, just because it looks kind of similar because the 2D version is basically a grid with numbers on the sides, and I was like, okay, that's it's going to be Sudoku. I don't want to play this. This is terrible. <laughs> um, and as it turns out, it's nothing like that, which is great because <laughs> it's actually a fun game instead. Um, but yeah, I recommend it. There's a shit ton of puzzles in that game. Uh, it's like £25. Right. And I've put way more time than I expected to into it. Uh, it's been, you know, my tram game every morning. Um, you know, you can just quickly solve a puzzle or two, depending on how difficult they are on the way into work. Um, there have been times where I have turned off Yakuza or Gravity Rush 2 because I've been like, nah, why solve another puzzle? We <laughs> turn this off and play some puzzles. Which I don't do very often for portable games in general. Like I don't uh-huh. play a massive amount of portable games, so I don't usually turn off my main console. Like I don't. I think I turned off my main console to play Fire Emblem a couple of times, but that's the last time I can think of it. Right. Um, you know, maybe the original Gravity Rush or something. But yeah, it's it's just really fun. It's really fun. Uh, well, you were mentioning. Uh... When you mentioned, um, gone, gone. Uh, well, <laughs> what did I mention? What? I know, I, I can't remember. Uh, but, yes, uh, but uh, yeah, I uh, I picked up. Um, I, I'm still waiting on it coming, but I bought a Game Boy Advance SP. All right. Yeah, it was strange. So I was sitting watching. Um, Star Wars. We decided to to walk through the old films again, uh-huh. um, and uh, work for at least three of those films. <laughs> well, we didn't watch those ones, <laughs> so we were watching uh, A New Hope. It was towards the end of A New Hope, and you know the, the space battle. They're trying to blow up the Death Star. Mm-hmm. Excellent scene, brilliant space combat, and it got me thinking of a game that came out for the Game Boy Advance called uh, Flight of the Falcon. Okay. Uh, yeah, it came out. It didn't do that well. Uh, it had 3D graphics, uh, proper orchestrated sound. It had um, they had they brought in actors. Um, I don't think it was uh, clips from the film. I think it was they had actors re-record the stuff. But it's okay. very very close. Really high production values, but the game didn't do that well. There's people didn't like it that much. I did. I liked it. Um, and I managed to, it was really difficult, but I, I did well and I finished the game and I loved it. And then when I traded all my GBA stuff in, I got rid of it as well. So I had this hankering and, uh, to eBay and found a cheap copy of the game and, uh, have that arrived today. And, uh, I'm waiting on the SP. I would imagine that should arrive tomorrow or so. 
Um, so, yeah, uh, it was just when you were saying, you know, picking up the handheld and playing kind of classic games and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, so I'll probably be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. But, I, I was uh, looking at. I, I look on eBay every now and again for Game Boy Advance Micros, and I'm like, I, sh- I should buy one. I've always wanted the Game Boy Advance Micro. Right. But I never bought, I never got one as a kid because I was a kid, and my parents were like, "You already have a Game Boy Advance. Shut up and eat your vegetables." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I just never bought one since because why the fuck would I buy a Game Boy Advance? That's what it comes down to. I'm like looking at it, I'm like. I should buy that and I'm like what would I play on a Game Boy Advance and I was like Metroid Fusion maybe what I I, <laughs> I found a, I found one of those um, cartridges they're probably not the most legal the combination cartridges oh yeah I have one of those yeah I found one online and it's like 360 odd games yeah and it's not a bad price and when you have a look what's on there um, and I've already bought, you know, quite a few legitimate games and and stuff yeah. like that. Let's face it, st- nobody makes the games anymore, so yeah, exactly. you know, hard to find them. And yeah, none exactly. of the money's going to the original people anyway, so who cares? Yes, yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, we'll talk after after the podcast. I'll try and spend your money for you. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's always happens. Yeah, I, I have know. one of those things because I bought when I was a kid. I went to Spain with my family and we went to a little market that was just kind of you know a pop-up market thing in one of the little towns and one of the things I got was this uh, Game Boy Advance cartridge uh, with 35 maybe 50 uh, the, uh, Mario games on it alright okay which people with a keen knowledge of Mario will know that Especially at times of the Game Boy Advance, there was not 50 Mario games. Especially not 50 that the Game Boy Advance was capable of running. Yes. Um, so it was actually like four different Mario games and a couple of games that were not Mario and I don't know what they were. Uh, and then there were ROM hacks that filled up the rest of the cartridge. Right. So there was like five games repeated over and over, but like, oh, this one's green. Or this one's blue. Or this one has a slightly taller Mario sprite. And it's like, uh what weird so it had like Mario <laughs> Land on it and it had like the original Super Mario Brothers and it had original uh, Mario Brothers and some weird one that I have no idea what the game was I've never seen it since like I've never seen anything like it before so I, but it's obviously a ROM hack of something else that they replaced the main sprite with Mario right <laughs> uh, I still have that cartridge I should I should I should buy a Game Boy Advance Micro and play it you should, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So that's as for video games. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so we did a couple of board games. You sadly never got a chance to play any board games this week. Yeah, I, I say I was joking before this podcast before we started recording that I am clearly fated to not play any board <laughs> games in 2017. Like stuff came up and cancelled last last week's event, then this weekend all of the trains got cancelled like yes right before like we were planning to leave like we, I got up earlier than I usually do so I could catch a train um, 
And then we're like, okay, we'll just check the train times and we'll we'll go. We check the train times and the train times were cancelled. Yeah, that wasn't cool. It was not good. <laughs> yeah. So I played no board games. You played none. None at all. <laughs> uh, I played a couple. Yeah, well, lucky. So I know, I know. <laughs> so um, <laughs> basically, what had happened was, um, you know, spoke spoke to yourself, and we were waiting on, we were making our plans, and then the trains went wonky, and um, we then found out that the trains into Glasgow, um, even for us getting into Glasgow as well, were a bit knackered, so we couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. So we decided we'll play some games. So we got to play some more Mechs versus Minions. Okay. And we played the second the second mission. So we played the tutorial and we played the, the first mission and then got into the second one. And what it does is it opens it up so you get a bigger playing area and um this this time your scenario is I could tell you the scenario to and it wouldn't really spoil anything. Mm. You've got mi- loads and loads and loads of minions and they're trying to get into your base. Um, your base thematically is the school. Um, they call it the school. And uh, but so if one minion gets into your base, it's game over. Um, and what you're trying to do is you need to kill all the minions, and also you need to repair your base because your base has been damaged. There's little crystals out in the board. You need to get your mech, walk over, pick up one of the mech, the the crystals. And you do that just by going over the top of them, then coming back and taking the crystal back. Um, and it's a really fun level. Uh, we had a lot of fun playing it, and it got down to the wire. That was on the next turn uh, where the minions move, they were going to win the game. They were going to get into our base, and that was it. It was game over. Um, and the only thing that stopped you know, in between that happening was uh, I had one programmed run of my, my mech, and and had one program of hers and uh the the mechs also come with like an an overdrive uh and it's like a special power it's a once off power that you can have um there is uh one that comes with every mech that activates once you hit level 15 in the in the overdrive mm-hmm. um but then there's uh you start every game with two two of these um, you know, you can select a couple, and you've got two of them, and they'll they'll activate at different levels, and they're quite powerful, and it's entirely up to you when you use them. I didn't use one of mine till the v- very end of the game because there was no need, and thank God I saved it because that is what won us the game. Yeah, it allowed me to, you know, it whatever it did did That's it, awesome. and yeah, it was really. You know that we jumped up and punched the air <laughs> as as you know as I'd moved the character, uh, moved my mech back into the base with the final crystal. Um, it is one hell of a game, really, really, really lots of fun. Um, and then we finished the mission, and of course we had to open the the next envelope. We weren't going to play it, but we opened it up and we read it. And um, have you seen much of what's in the box for uh, Mechs vs. Minions? I've just seen there's a lot. I've not actually seen specifics. Right. Uh, right, so you get you know trays and trays and trays of Minions, and there's all these different components. There is also this huge box. 
it, the box itself is huge, but there's a, there's a big box that sits into the side. And the only thing you can see is it looks like an axe that's bursting out of the box and it's sealed up and it says, do not open. Um, and in the third mission, you get to open that box and see what's inside it. And it's like, wow, this is, the, the, you know, you, you already think it's quite special because of, you know, the, the game, the way the game plays. Uh, and it's the cooperative programming, which is quite, it, it's quite different in programming games. And it's got the, the car drafting and things like that as well. Then it does this, the, then this box comes into play. Uh-huh. Um, and the, yeah, I can't really say much more than that because it will spoil things. Um, and it, but it's, it's really cool. So I'm looking forward to playing the next mission. Um, cause I just read it. Um, so I'll actually get to see this thing in action and, you know, yeah. get to use it. So it's really, really cool. I really want to play this game. Yeah, we Maybe need to. You should, yeah. <laughs> um, I would, I, I could recommend it to anyone. It is a very, I think it's quite a light game. I think it's mm-hmm. very, if, if you're, you know, have a little bit of um, experience in playing board games. You'll have no problems with this whatsoever. Yeah. Um, it's also it's one of those that if you watch, uh, you know, um, YouTube's full of very good guys that do board game run-throughs. Um, one we've always spoken about is a guy called Richard Ham. His the video channel is uh, Rado Runs Through. Mm-hmm. Um, you can watch. Rado's run through of Mechs versus Minions and you could then go straight into your box and play the game. Yeah. You know, there there isn't much to it. There, yeah, not... I have watched that run through. It does seem pretty straightforward. Yeah, that's it. You know how to play the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, uh, it looks absolutely gorgeous and also for um, people that are the people that the game was made for, uh, Lego Le- Legends, they're very good. Uh, League of Legends fans. Um, I love Lego of Legends. Lego of Legends, yeah, much better than League of Legends. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, I, the game was abstain, you know, really made for them. So, yeah, I, I, if they have any interest in board games as well, they should buy it and check it out. Mm-hmm. So yes, you should buy it. Um, one of the other games that we played was uh, a, another one of um, Stonemaier's games so Stonemaier are the guys that made um, Between Two Cities and Scythe and this is um, Jamie Stegmaier's uh, game that he did before Scythe which is called Euphoria yes I remember seeing yeah. this Kickstarter this was another yes. one of the ones I didn't buy yeah same um, and then I found it in the shop and bought it. Uh, so Euphoria, or it, to give it its full name, Euphoria Build a Better Dystopia, is a worker placement game. And the idea is that you are a low-level manager in this dystopian world. And uh, But you have you've figured out that, you know, you know the truth mm-hmm. about this dystopia that it's a bad place 
And what you're trying to do is you're trying to get enough influence within this world so that you can improve it. So you can get into power and then just blow the lid off everything. That's um, what everyone thinks, though. Yeah. Okay, that's how it all started. That's how you get dystopia someone thinking, I can make this all better. Let me just get enough influence points so that I can so. take over. <laughs> it creates a world, um, and the world's quite rich. Um, you've got the um, people uh, called the, there's a district called uh, Euphoria. And the district of Euphoria, they responsible for creating like the energy. Um, and they also responsible for creating the electricity and um, they, they they have all the riches, they have all the gold. Um, then you have the the, subter- uh, the subterranean level, yeah. and they create all the water. Um, they they can also they can do cloning, and um, they're uh, you know the, because they're underground they can mine coal. You've then got the wastelands. The wastelands are kind of like farmlands, so they they produce food, and they also what do they produce as well? They produce clay, and, and you know so you can turn that into bricks. Mm-hmm. and stone and stuff uh, and then you've got the uh, the Icarites the Icarites float above everyone else and they just don't give a shit they create a drug called Bliss and they basically flat, float above everyone else and they're just stoned essentially um, and uh, they, there's kind of this um, desire for each of the factions to get um, what they need from the other factions so the Euphorians are desperate to get the water um, that they they need from the subterraneans and yeah. they want to get you know they're tired of this bartering and this this politics so the, what they're doing is that they, they're digging a tunnel straight underneath so that they can get all the water that they want you've got the um, subterranean people they're doing the exact same they're digging a tunnel underneath the wastelands to steal to get all the food that they want or, or the food that they need and then you've got the wasteland guys and they're digging a tunnel into the subterraneans no they're digging a, a tunnel into the euphorians mm-hmm. to get uh, gold I think it is uh, no they're getting electricity I beg your pardon oh, right, okay. where yeah. are they mining for it they mining uh, for electricity no no they're, they're digging the <laughs> They're digging the tunnel and then they're obviously pulling cables with them. Oh, they're right, going right. to generate. Sense. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's created he's in, he's created this entire world on this board, and it's all it's beautifully illustrated, and uh, it turns into a worker placement game. And the work the what you do on your turn is uh, you can only do two things. You can play you can take your workers and put them on the board. And gain benefits. Mm-hmm. That's the one action you can do. Um, so you you would do that on your action. Place a worker on the board and get the benefit that you want. Um, and then for your next, when your turn comes round again, you the other thing that you can do is you can bring him back from the board. It's the only thing you can do. You can place a worker on the board or take the worker back. Um, and the reason you need to take the worker back is your workers are dice. Okay. So what you what you're trying to do as well is um, you're trying to get workers in various places um, and uh, you start out with two workers you can get a maximum of four and what happens is your workers will talk to each other and they'll, they'll discover things so they have an intelligence 
and um, the way this is represented is the dice. You roll the dice. So each time you, um, when you put a worker on the board, you know, let's say you place him with to go and see the Icarites, and he goes and he does his thing. He mingles with the Icarites. You don't see him again. Mm-hmm. When you bring that dice off the board, it's like you're getting another worker. So you roll them to see their intelligence. Um, and if the combined intelligence of all your workers gets to be higher than 16, so if you've got three dice and you roll, I don't know, 14 total, um, there is also there's another little tracker which gives you um, a, like a base intelligence, and that base intelligence may be two. So 14 plus two is 16. If it's equal to or higher than 16, your your workers discover the truth. And they end up, they do a Logan's run. They bolt. They're gone. So you have to sacrifice, you, you lose one of your workers. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to play the game um, to achieve all the things that you're trying to do, but you're also trying to keep your workers happy and dumb. Okay. So you're trying to make, you yeah, know, keep, keep them... them in their place. <laughs> yeah. yeah, essentially, yeah. Um, so the way that you can do that when you roll, when you do the intelligence check, the only the only dice that you add together are the ones that haven't been put to work yet. So you you could do this strategically if you had four dice um, and you know you've got um, two sixes on with you. You could maybe keep them there. You'd want to play them and get them out and keep the the lower ones always. You know, mm-hmm. um, just a really clever system. Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, I haven't seen that before. Um, there's plenty for you to do within the workers. Um, you know, uh, so it's a little bit like scythe in the way that you know how you place your stars. Uh, you get you be uh, you get to place your your stars and scythe for winning combat, or uh, when, once you get all three of your uh, sorry four of your mechs deployed and things like that. It's kind of the same thing as well. There's buildings to be built. Um, when a building gets built, if you helped build the building, you get to place one of your stars on it. Um, if not, if you didn't help the building get built, there's a penalty and you will get penalized. Um, so sometimes what will happen is and did it to me and noticed on the board that there was a building and it needed gold and coal to produce uh, to get built. Um, and I had gold, so Anne quickly realized, and she placed the worker on the building and built the, with the gold. And it was going to take me two turns to get the coal that I needed. Um, so I started that process. I put my worker to where he needed to be to start the, the one, the first step to let me get the coal. Mm-hmm. But I was too late because in the next turn, Anne just spent her coal and got the building. Luckily, the the penalty wasn't too bad, but, but yeah, you sometimes got, you got punished for yeah, not for, being for, fast enough basically to keep up with other yeah. people, so you can get a plan around. Yes, yeah, that. Um, that cool. Yeah, and there's so much to do. Um, really, really enjoyed that game, and the whole thing about it was it took it took less than two hours, maybe because we kind of explained everything. Maybe an hour and a half. They say that the game can play in about an hour. That sounds uh, good. Like they're generally pretty good with making their games not last. Like Scythe is not that long a game. Yeah. Uh, between two cities was relatively short. Um, yeah. That kind of stuff. Yeah, 
and again the component quality absolutely stunning yeah they definitely seem to be up there with uh, 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 Space Cowboy in terms of just really yeah. good components for their stuff yes yeah like Scythe is great again between two sides is great like they they really nail that stuff yeah um, really really good so definitely you should check that out um I do want you, to yeah um if you do come across a copy I think I seen copies at one point going for about 30 35 pound which is a lot cheaper than what I paid yes yeah, uh, so de- yeah definitely pick it up um last board game that I played was so you and I are still doing this whole single player thing yeah I've not really done any more except for play on Irem a bunch, which I have played on Irem a bunch. I guess that's right. one thing I have played. Yeah. Um, so uh, I stopped playing um, Arkham Horror, the card game, and the reason for that is not not because it's bad or anything. I've uh, I bought all the new expansions that came out for it, but um, and my wife she wants to. We're going away in March. We're going on holiday. And she said, well, you know, can we take a game with us? Can we take something that we can play together? Mm-hmm. Um, so I showed her what the Arkham Horror was, and she quite likes the idea, and it's story-based, and it's uh, cooperative. So we can, you know, advance through the story together. And she said, are you not going to get bored of that? I said, no, no, you can play the story several times, and you can level up. Oh, okay. No, just I, I want to play it, and I don't want you to get bored. Which his wife called for, don't play anymore because I want to play it. <laughs> don't play with um, me. She doesn't want you to get really good at it first, basically. I, yes, yeah, quite, possi- quite possibly. So, um, yeah, so um, I've uh, I've stopped playing that. I'll probably play, one, um, I've got one more scenario to play and then I would have completed the, the, the base game, mm-hmm. um, the core, um, which I probably will do at one point. But, yeah, so I've been playing a couple of things solo player. I played um, the game which we've spoken about before. I played the game Extreme, uh, which is a different version. It adds a, a couple of different cards. Um, so I was playing that. But I also picked up a game called Friday. So Friday is a game by uh, game designer Friedman Fries. So this is the guy who did Fabled Fruits. Um, and he also did 504. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's also made uh, Power Grid and loads of other games. Yeah. But uh, Friday is a solo game, and uh, the game is you are um, Friday from Robinson Crusoe, and mm-hmm. the object of the game is you are looking after Robinson Crusoe. Um, so it's a card game, and what happens is there are three decks of cards. There is the Robinson Crusoe deck. So on this deck is there's cards with um, an attribute. So it may be um, bravery, and uh, the bravery is worth two combat points, for example. And you have this deck of um, Robinson Crusoe cards. I think there's 18 of them. I can't remember exactly how many, but there's you know you've got this little stack of cards. Um, there is then also a stack of threat cards. So the threat cards have things, it's activities that you do on the island. So there may be something like uh, roll your raft out to the small island um, and 
if you manage to do it at the bottom of the card is a reward the reward may be um extra food um so uh, the game is you get uh, life points um and that that's your health uh, so the raw the reward may be health points or the reward may be a weapon that you can use in combat later on um and you only get that obviously if you you beat the card yeah. so um the Robinson Crusoe deck has like i said it's got all the attributes on it and they have a value they can have a negative value or they can have a positive value they can even have a value of 0 uh, when you start out the game, you have a, a deck and it has a whole load of zeros. There's a couple of minus ones in there. And there is, I think, uh, one, two, one card with a value of two and three cards with a value of one. So not very much at all. Robinson Crusoe is very inexperienced. He doesn't know much. Uh, when you turn over one of the threat cards, it may uh, tell you that you have... Uh, to succeed, you need to gain a total of zero points, um, and you can uh, you get to draw one card. So you draw one card over, and if you have zero or higher, you pass that that test. Um, and so you draw the card; it's a free card. Draw over. Mm -hmm. Let's say you get minus one. So now you, what you can do currently, what would happen is if you let let that that um, test fail, you are two point, uh, you're one point away from where you should be because you should be at zero, but you're at minus one. You can pay that penalty, that that difference, the minus one. You can pay that in life points, and then you can scrap that card, that negative card. You can take it out of the game. Because what happens is at every uh, one of your attribute cards is uh, once it gets used, it gets put in a discard pile. When you get to the bottom of your cards, you shuffle them back in. And of course, if you're passing any tests, you're gaining that benefit. That benefit gets added to your deck. So you're, you're basically building a new deck of cards. That sounds quite cool. Yeah. Um, and it is all about risk and reward. Um, yeah. You always know you're allowed to go through your discard pile to see what's been played. So you have, and the, the game gives you a complete rundown of all the values of cards that are available. So you can keep a rough idea. So you can see a card that comes up. Um, it may be a high skill value that it needs to pass, but you may want to try a gamble with it. Um, so... You know, the, the skill, the skill test may tell you you get to draw four cards. The other thing, um, that your attribute cards do, apart from having just like a, a value on them, they have special, um, abilities. So it may tell you if you activate this card, you can draw another two cards for free. Or you may copy the, copy the ability of another card. Or you can double the, the, the combat value on a card. Uh, you know, so it, there's, it's not just a case of drawing four cards and hoping you get the, the combat value. There yeah. may be other ways to get that combat value as well. You know, like burning through your deck, um, mm -hmm. destroying cards you don't need and things like that. And sometimes it's better to actually fail a test. Because if you fail a test and you've got a handful of shit cards, you can pay those life points to destroy those cards and take them out of the game. 
Yeah. Um, the game has uh, three three levels. Um, so you have um, the the green uh, trials, I think they call them. There's the green, uh, then amber, then red. So traffic light. Uh, and what happens is all of the all of the cards have uh, you know it tells you what the test is, how many cards you get to draw, and then there's the the value, the point value you need to get, and depending on whether you're green, amber, or red, you know the values go up. Um, but you still get to draw the same level of cards for each one. Uh, and hunky dory, you you play the game just like that. Uh, but there is one more thing that happens every time you reach the end of your Robinson Crusoe deck um, it's the equivalent of a year passing so your Robinson Crusoe is getting clever, uh, you know he's learning lessons, he's um, making weapons and he's getting on really well but he gets older and as he gets older he might get a little bit more senile so he gets a negative trait okay. so these, there's these um a, a stack of negative traits and they're shuffled up and at the beginning of the game and they sit there until you get to the the end of your Robinson Crusoe deck and what happens is you take your deck and you now need to shuffle it but you take one of these cards face down so you don't know what it is and shuffle it in and then that's you you're ready to face all the challenges again um, and these ones they're really they're bastard some of them can be like a minus four um and re remembering that when you start off, your highest value is a, a positive two. Mm -hmm. So a negative four can really fuck with you. So when it comes up, you want to get rid of it straight away. But it costs double the points that it would to get to destroy any other card. It costs you double points to destroy one of these um, these aging cards. The, and that's the game. Uh, you survive all three sections. Um, once you survive all of those there are pirates there's two pirate cards that come out and all of these all these are are just two cards and there are really high combat values you need to beat so when i played it last night uh, my first one was i had six cards i could draw six cards for free and i had to beat a total value of uh, 20 and uh, i did it i i beat the 20 but I was using all the abilities of my cards to draw extra cards, to double the combat values, um, mirror the, you know, mirror values of cards, um, copy traits, and, and basically use every little trick that you've yeah. got. Um, and that's, thematically, that quite it works as well. You're putting everything you know together to to, to survive these and survive and outwit these pirates. Um, and I won the game, so I I beat my two pirates. Um, my first attempt, I failed. I I failed. I got one card left in the amber phase, and I ran out of life points. My second game, I won. Um, and what you're meant to do as well is uh, once you win the game, you you work out victory points. I was so chuffed that I won the game. I thought I'm not interested to fuck with the, the victory <laughs> points. It, it, there's quite a complicated system to working out the victory points um, and yeah yeah, that's cool um, I'll probably do that the next time I play but the other cool thing that uh, Friedman Fries has done with this is he keeps going back and tweaking the rules to the game and he does it on, 
on Board Game Geek. So he, he says changes to it in there. Yeah, he changes the rules. He it's um uh, Friday scenarios. So the way that uh, the reason the game exists um is Friedman Fries writes a a blog and he writes on this blog every Friday and it's uh, the Friday project. Unfortunately, it's only in German, so if you can't read German, there's not much you can do about it. But um, this Friday blog has given birth to two games. One of the games was called Black Friday back in, I think, 2009. And then a couple of years later was this game we're talking about now, Friday. Um, But he's still carried on. People talk to him about the game. He likes the game. And he's always tweaking. He's always looking for these new things. And he comes up with these scenarios and special ways to play this game. So you can go on to Board Game Geek. You can find the files. He uploads them. doesn't cost you anything. And you can play a new, more difficult version of the game. Sounds cool. I like that. Yeah. Not Um, actually releasing, like, like... Places could do like expansions or something like that for that, but it's good just to be like, this is a variation, just use what's there. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Um, and you know, it kind of gives you an insight into once you've seen games like Fable Fruit and Five or Four, and he's got he's got this bee in the bonnet of you know these evolving games and changing these games. Yeah, that start with F. <laughs> well, yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um. You know, he has got this bee in the bonnet. And I think I said it before. I don't know if I said it on one of the podcasts or just when we were talking. He reminds me very much of Peter Molyneux. Mm-hmm. And Peter Molyneux, uh, he, the, the bee in the bonnet that he had was this. Um, he, you know, you, he always wanted to give you the choice um, to be good or bad. He just wanted and, you to love your dog, really. Yeah, and he also wanted you to speak to creepy Milo. Yeah. Yeah. But it's the Rolf Harris simulator we always wanted. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah. So he kind of reminds me of, of Molyneux in that way, in that he's got this this thing that drives him, and it, it's present in everything that he creates. But yeah, uh, Friday, check it out. Quick game. Um, I really enjoy it. Sounds cool. I think I. I'm not sure if I'm going to be buying more single player games for a little bit, but I do want more. But well, Onirem has such a stupid amount of content in it that is that and Scythe are kind of satiating me for now. Yeah, I um, was, yeah. I didn't, and I ended up not picking up Onirem um, because you're a monster. Yeah, that's why the um, <laughs> the the eBay uh, auction that I was looking at. Uh-huh. It ended up going for £33 and there was still like four quid delivery on top of that. Ah, jeez. That's not good. Yeah, that is nuts. It's, yeah, I I assume it's out of print given everywhere the only place you're finding it is like eBay. Yeah. Um, But it's a damn good game. I do feel lucky that I managed to get a copy for a reasonable price around the time I had just suddenly heard of it. Yes, yeah. Um, but I was doing a little bit more um, research into it. I knew the game existed, but I didn't know much about it. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it. W- I don't think I would enjoy it as much. Um, so out of all the single player games that we've had a look at and we've spoke about, um, after doing proper research, Friday was the one that appealed to me the most. Yeah. Just okay. that style. Of- you know that style of, of game. Yeah. I think um, there's another one from the um, 
the Omniverse or the Oniverse, uh-huh. uh, which is called uh, Sylveon. Yeah, and that's like a, really cool. Yeah, it's like a tower defense. Yeah, I think that and the uh, Castellian are both kind of tower defensive, but yes. No, the, no Castellian is a, it's a tile laying game. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah, you should check it out. Um, it's, yeah, um, it's tiling, yeah. I thought it was kind of tower defensive as well for some reason. No, no. That's cool. But, yeah, um, really different game as well, um, but I think, um, Sylveon, I think, would be the one that I'd probably pick up from there. Yeah, that's reasonable. I will probably end up buying, like, all of these games at some point. Um, but for now, Onarum is the one I am sticking with. Yes, um, I still would like, a, like to play it as well and yeah. check it out. So. I'm definitely going to bring it over next time I'm through. Good. Yes. Excellent. Yeah. So that's us for board games as well. Um, have we got much in the way of news? Not really. Um, by the time this podcast goes up, Obsidian will have announced what their new game is because they're teasing it on Twitter just now. Right. Uh, but they haven't really said much except, oh, we're going to be announcing a big new game soon. It's like, okay, well, I, I don't know what that is. That's, I mean, it's Obsidian, so I guess I'm excited because Obsidian usually make good games. But come on. Um, we'll see. Uh, what else we got? Uh, there's going to be a big sale on the eShop uh, over the next two weeks. Right. Um, starting from... Well, it'll start by the podcast goes up. Uh, which is going to be 30% off of all Zelda games. So, that could be good. I might, I might finally pick up that 3DS version of Majora's Mask. Although Was maybe that? not because I don't have my girlfriend has my 3ds now, so <laughs> it's dead to me. Um, yeah. So what was you gonna say? I I was gonna say was that the one that I picked up for free in the con- in the the giveaway? But no, Majora's Mask was the. No, that was a no. more recent one. Um, yeah. Which one did you get in the giveaway? Uh, the, the between the... worlds. Yes. Yeah. The one yeah. where you end up like a a a, a drawing on a wall. Yeah. That yeah. game's really good as well. That is also going to be on sale. Uh, all the DLC for Hyrule Warriors will be on sale as well, so that might be something to look into. And also oh. all the virtual console games, so uh, all the Wii, uh, the Wii U, all of the Wii games, so like uh, Skyward Sword and stuff like that. All right, okay. All the Game Boy Advance games like Minish Cap, uh, the DS games like Phantom Hourglass, and you know, basically all of the Zelda games. <laughs> Pretty much everything in the series is on. They on those consoles in some way, yeah, um, yeah. And I guess this is just their way of getting people more and more hyped up for Breath of the Wild coming out in just over a month. Uh huh. Um. The other thing is, uh, there is a Kickstarter that has just been released for the weirdest, possibly the weirdest, uh like movie like licensed game kind of out of nowhere uh, thing so there's a game kickstarter up for a video game version of Apocalypse Now oh wow okay uh, being made by what it describes here as 
The game will be an immersive psychedelic horror RPG from creators, designers, directors and writers of producers of Fallout New Vegas, Pillars of Eternity, The Witcher, Neverwinter Nights 2, Wasteland 2, Torment, Tides of Numeria, EverQuest, DC Universe Online, Planetside, Planetside 2, Star Wars Galaxies and more. So it's like a combination of people who have worked on really good RPGs. I wonder if that's right. actually Obsidian because... That is quite a a list, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's quite a list of like n- none of those games are anything like each other, except for the fact they're yeah. RPGs, loosely. Yeah, um, and it's like, well, did you know? Is it just like one person from each team? It seems that way. Like they have a list of um, the squad, so they have a bunch of like the people that will be working on it, and they're all like, this guy is the design director of Obsidian, so I guess it's Obsidian that's working on it, uh, or at least mainly. Right. Because like a few of them are like, I worked at Obsidian or used to work at Obsidian or whatever. Um, Rob Otten has served as a lead writer on video game franchises like Gears of War. That's not really what I think of when I think of good stories. Yeah. Uh, Francis Ford Coppola, you might have heard of him. Prolific force behind American Graffiti, The Godfather series, Bram Stoker's Dracula, and Apocalypse Now. He is working on it, which is weird. I wonder if he'll actually be heavily involved or if it'll just be he puts his name on it. Ah, uh, yeah. I would hope he'd be heavily involved. Like, that could be good. Interesting, at least. I don't know. Apocalypse Now is a... It's an inspired choice of game, of a movie, to turn into a game. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they kind of already did it with Spec Ops Line to some degree. Uh, but still... It'd be interesting to see. Um, I don't really have any other news. Uh, the games I found the games for gold stuff that was announced. Oh yeah. Uh, on Xbox One, Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time, and also oh. Project Cars. Right. And then on Xbox 360, but also compatible on Xbox One, uh, Monkey Island 2. And All right. Star Wars: The Force Unleashed. Cool. Which is a good bunch of games. Yeah, that, that's not a bad. Yeah, it's a good wee crop of games there. Project yeah. Cars in particular, really good. Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time, also pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Did uh, um have so. Sony announced theirs yet? No, so those will probably go up um around the time this podcast goes up. So we'll talk about them next week. Cool. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, also, Prey 2 is coming out in May. Right. That was announced. That game looks good. That looks like... I keep wanting to say Bioshock in space and then remembering that Bioshock in space was already a thing. Yes. Like System Shock came long before Bioshock and System Shock 2's story is basically just Bioshock's story. Or, yes. you know, vice versa. But yeah, it looks it looks like that kind of... It looks like System Shock or Bioshock or cool. Shock, Pre-Shock. Excellent. Also, I am sitting as coming out in Nintendo Switch at launch. Yes. Oh wait, there was a news thing. Um, Tekken Seven is coming out. In oh June. yes, yeah. It's coming out in June. It's going to have a season pass. Uh, as all games do. Really. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming out PS4. Xbox One and PC PS4 One will have exclusive content because 
that's where we're at when the console in first place sells like 40 million more units than the second place <laughs> console um, they have the money to buy exclusives like that I didn't yes. realise how big the gap between the Xbox One and the PS4 was I thought they were still pretty much neck and neck and then mm-hmm. I read a thing the other day that had like the the overall like worldwide comparisons and it's not even close no no that like, is... it's neck and neck in America yes like Xbox One actually outsells PS4 some months in America but in the rest of the world it's not even close and so overall it's like literally like a 20-30 million gap wow which is insane not since the PS2 have we seen such sales yeah um, I still mark my words it, the gap will close and Xbox One will be the console to beat towards the end of the cycle I can believe that but they have to like Microsoft have to get their game development back on track like third party the third party stuff matters but it doesn't matter as much as having a solid first party lineup. like the reason the PS3 caught up with Xbox 360 last generation was because people were buying it for Uncharted and Gran Turismo and stuff like that and PlayStation Plus. Yeah, that it too. was. Yeah. Whereas now the Xbox One still has like you know the consistently great things like Forza and Gears of War and Halo. But I feel like the people that were going to buy an Xbox One for Forza, Gears of War, and Halo have already have already. done that. Yeah. Yeah, because there's four Forza games on it, and yeah. there's you know two Gears six, of War, yeah. six Halos. Yeah. Because they re-released, they had the Master Chief Collection. Yes, yeah. You know, like, those people have bought it. What they need is more new stuff. Which, you know, didn't work out super well with uh, Sunset Overdrive, because as amazing a game as it is, it didn't sell super well. Yeah. Um, Which is a shame, because that is probably my favourite exclusive on the Xbox One. Like, as much as I love the Forza games. Uh Uh-huh. That game's fucking great. Yeah, yeah, that is, that's fair comment. But I think they need to do more cool stuff. They could use, like, a really good... They need just more genres than shooters and racing games. Like uh, yeah. They, they need this more than ever. They need a new Fable game. Or something similar. They need a kind of fantasy, you know, kind of light action RPG kind of thing. Like, that's... I feel like they need that kind of... They have a hole in their lineup that that would fill well and would bring more people on board with. Um... But I, I don't know. It depends. They can they can still fix it. Like it's early enough, and we're going to see them make a bigger push. Like I think there's a good reason why there's no no exclusives for the Xbox One announced just now. Halo Wars Two comes out next month. I think that's it. Yeah, that, I think you're right. I don't. I can't really think of anything. Uh, that remake of uh, Phantom Dust is coming out, possibly. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, there's not a whole lot coming out. Uh, and I think that's on purpose. Like I think when we see them announce the Scorpio stuff at E3, and that comes out at the end of the year, you're going to see a big slew of not necessarily new games, but new announcements. So you're going to see um, Rare's uh, what's the pirate game they're working on? Oh, it looks really awesome. Yeah. Uh, like you'll see that kind of brought up again. You'll see Crackdown Three, which we haven't heard of since they announced the Xbox One. Um. Like, that'll definitely be... All this stuff will be kind of shown, like, oh, look how nice it looks on the Scorpio. Also, it'll probably run on your Xbox One, kind of. Um, yeah. So, we'll see. But they need more. 
been sure. lots of stuff. Yeah. Um, new releases. There isn't much for. Um, so the weekending the third of February. Um, so that will be the Friday of you listening to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is. Let's have a look. Uh, Hitman. The Hitman Professional Complete. So that's the. I'm guessing that's a disc version of the season one. Yeah. Which is um, that's a shitload of content on there. It's yeah. So that will be coming out on the 31st of January. Um, from UIG Entertainment, uh, Forestry 2017, the simulation. I did. I saw one of their games. It it got released a uh, this week uh, on Tuesday. It was Fire uh, Firefighter, the simulation. <laughs> I think I've seen that as well because I might have picked up one of their older versions of it. Cause I think oh God! Because some insider baseball for people here. I worked at a company that made something similar to one of those simulations for training at a firefighter's college. Right. And like we made this thing, and so as <laughs> research, we're playing all these terrible games. Like, <laughs> oh man, this is like because we also you you have the thing we have like a big list of all the you know the things the steps that the the firefighters actually go through because ours was like a proper thing they had to go through for proper training. Um, and so you have the list of like the steps they actually have to take, otherwise you know they fail and will get you know, need to reset an exam and stuff like that. Right. Um, and you can see it when you're playing these other games. You're like, oh, they've got some of the steps here. And then also, everything's broken and you can just drive a fire engine around? That seems weird. <laughs> I guess that... Uh, sort of a simulation, I guess. I don't know. Forestry could be good. I really like cutting down trees. Um, yes. So, uh, yeah, forestry... <laughs> I can't believe this is a thing. Forestry 2017, the simulation. Um, also coming out on the 3rd of February, we've got uh, Naruto Shippenden Ultimate Ninja Storm 4, Road to Burrito. They must be hungry. That's it. Road to Burrito. That's racist. You can't call them that. <laughs> All right, Mike. Ro- you're a big fan of Naruto. Um, oh, Explain yeah. Explain to me what Road to Burrito is. Um... They've all been out on the piss, right? <laughs> oh, to absorb the alcohol. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, I have no clue. Uh, it's the it's the fourth the fourth game in the Ninja Storm series. Yeah, that's that's fair. It's set uh-huh. after the end of the Naruto saga. Boruto is Naruto's son. Oh, okay. Boruto. There you go. <laughs> Oh, right. I think it was based I, I would... on a movie. I don't think it's even based on like the anime series. All oh, right, okay. It was like they made like an anime movie after they finished it. Oh, fair enough. I don't know. I don't really like Naruto very much. Those uh... games are really good though. Yes, um, I as, believe so. Yeah. As someone who does not like the series, um, they're really pretty. They play really well. Um, yeah, those Naruto games are genuinely fantastic. Cool. Um, so the final thing that we have on the list coming out on February the third is Pucci and Yoshi's Woolly World coming to the 3DS. You looking forward to this one at all? Or any interest at all in Not this? Really. Like, I mean, if I was going to buy it, I would buy it on the Wii U. 
I think. I don't think. I yeah. Are you, is this a straight port, or is it a port with some added extras, or is it a genuine sequel? Um, I think it's a port with some added extras. Yeah, I, I kind of thought that as well. The most important thing is that I learned today that Willie is spelt with two L's. Yes. I don't know. I, I thought it was just one. Oh, like, right, okay. Will only has one. Why would you add an RL? It makes no sense. I don't know. It makes no sense. Explain <laughs> English to me. <laughs> Listen, we'd need a whole series of podcasts for that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's it for the new releases. Um, anything else that you've that we failed to mention, or um, anything you've forgotten? No. No, but I say it's worth bringing up how strong a first couple of weeks of the year this has been. Yeah, it has. Um, yeah, just. It's strong in terms of you know the video games. It's also been quite strong in terms of the the board game stuff as well. Yeah. Um, and I, I, you know, the more people that we speak to as well, you know, that's friends of ours, and they're, they're getting a little bit more into board games and that. And gaming is now becoming this that there's becoming less and less distinction between video games and board games. And I tell you what, we're in for a bumper year this year. Yeah definitely um, yeah on both fronts like video games I mean Mass Effect comes out in March a brand new Mass Effect game comes out in March uh, yep. Horizon Zero Dawn is out March uh, yes that comes out in March Ghost well. Recon is out March man March is fucking uh, yeah uh, it's not a good month <laughs> Nier Automata is out in March yeah the, the King Kings... remakes are out yeah in March uh, there's a lot of March games the Switch is out in March um, yeah like there's a shitload of games coming out between now and May like Persona 5 comes out in April yeah like it's insane and like we only really know stuff about the first half of the year like there's not a whole lot confirmed for the later half of the year but I think God of War is meant to be this year theoretically I don't think that'll actually hit this year but that's the thing. Like that Fire Emblem uh, Dynasty Warriors game supposed to be this year. Like there's going to be a bunch more stuff coming towards the end of the year but uh-huh. even if there wasn't the first half of this year is packed with like more interesting games than we got the entirety of last year. Yeah, yeah. And I think we said this during the, the Game of the Year podcast as well. It wasn't... You know, there was some, some decent games and stuff but there was... It wasn't like a couple of years ago. Yeah, definitely. I think if the rest of the year continues as strong as the first half of this year is lined up to be, this could be the strongest year of these consoles so far. Yeah. Like, of the PS4 and the Xbox One. Like, it's... The PS4 in particular, because, I mean, the main two games that I super think of the main three games that I think have been really great this year so far have been Hatsune Miku Yakuza 0 and Gravity Rush 2 and those are all PS4 exclusives so maybe it's just a really good year for PS4 (laughs) but it's a really good year for PS4 and it's going to be a really good year for Nintendo games yeah I think so brand new Zelda brand new Mario Uh, Uh, brand new Fire Emblem 
brand new Fire Emblem uh, for 3DS, and then also with brand new. Uh, well, that's not brand new Fire Emblem. I guess it's a remake. Yeah, but it seems like it's new enough. Um, brand new Fire Emblem Warriors, brand new Splatoon. Like Splatoon Two is supposed to come out this year. Yeah. Um, like pretty much everything Nintendo showed at their press conference that had the gameplay is set to come out this year, and that's a bunch of stuff. Um, Metal Gear Survive, which I know you're super excited for. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because you love Metal Gear so much that you'd happily play a weird co-op zombie thing. You know what, fuck, <laughs> I've still got some hope that that game's going to be alright. Because Metal Gear Solid Five played really good, and I like co-op zombie killing shooter <laughs> things. So, even if it's just like a cheap cash-in, uh-huh. it might still be good enough. Yeah. The bit that bummed me out was when they showed gameplay of it and it was the exact same map from Metal Gear Solid 5 and I was like, oh, come on, really? <laughs> At least making you... Like, come on, it's been like two years. It's gonna... By the time this comes out, it'll have been two years since Metal Gear Solid 5 came out. You can make a new map. Come on. Yeah. Uh, whatever. Whatever. We'll see. Also, Consulvania's coming back. That's the thing. Yes. Did you ever watch Consulvania? Um, I... Did not actually. I watched more. Uh, I didn't watch much of either, but I watched some video. Uh, guide v- video guide, and, yeah. yeah. I watched some of the. Did you watch any of that when they brought it back? I watched, I think one and a half episodes, and it was about probably as much as I could take. <laughs> That's fair enough. They did a really good section on board games for one of the episodes. Um... Uh, yeah. They, well, um, that's the uh, well. Uh, Robert Florence is he, he is a big board gamer as well yeah yes. Um, I think he's still writing writing about board games for um, Rock Paper Shotgun yeah I believe he is yeah yeah, yeah. Um, well Consylvania is they're funding it through uh, Patreon so it, uh, which seems like a smart way to do that yeah um, yeah I look forward to seeing how it is because I've watched a bits of it I've just not watched all of it um, yeah. Cool. Um, I think that's about it. I don't think there's anything else to say. Um, apart from thank you very much for uh, downloading and listening to our nonsense for 169 episodes. If you've stayed with us that long, um, if you have, unfortunately, we can't pay for your medical bills because we don't make any money off this. Um, but if you want to send us an email, um, you can feel free to do so. You can send us an email to podcast at glitchfreegaming.com or you can send us a tweet on, on Twitter at glitchfreegame or you can find us on Facebook. Just go to Facebook and search for glitchfreegaming. Uh, you'll find our group there and you can also go to our website. Um, there is new content on there as well. Uh, our, Editor-in-Chief Ben has... He put a, a very cool video up. You should go and check out. Yes, he compared drive one of Drive Club's tracks to uh, the route that he drives home. Um, yes. Which is... They're very similar. <laughs> he did a good job at like kind of speeding up the sections that aren't comparable to the point where the bits that are actually like, oh, that's just straight up this corner. They just straight up just put that in there. Um, yeah, he's he's just very well made. Um, yes, yeah. So you you can check that out, um, and just have a look at 
everything else that we've got on the website and um cool so until then we will speak to you same time next week and any final thoughts uh there was a van helsing tv series that came out sci-fi last year uh which had the main character wasn't van helsing it was van helsing's Daughter. Oh God, yes, she I was yeah. Called, she was called Vanessa Helsing. Yes, which uh, is yeah. Really good. Her full name was Van Van Helsing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we watched the first episode of that. I didn't watch any of it because the trailers looked terrible. But I oh God, wanted to. Um, you can get it on um, the, the one of the streaming services, uh, Amazon's streaming service. Actually, oh, I may need to watch some of it. But. Uh, so on that horrible note we will <laughs> see you next week see you see later you.